Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How you doing? Daniel Ruiz-Tyson is available for Monday the 30th of May 2022 with me, Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, episode 394, counting down to the 400 in croaky fashion. Hope that unlike me, you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. It's actually Sunday evening, 1826 hours. Another busy Monday ahead, assuming that I'm feeling better by tomorrow night and can do my uh, gig. So uh, it just makes more sense to record this show on the Sunday night, release it early for Patreon supporters, and uh, everyone else can get it on the Monday uh, morning. Patreon episode 393, that was out on Friday. You can find a link to that on the website, danielruizteisen.com, under latest news. If you make a one-off donation, if you don't want to subscribe to the Patreon uh, page, you will get that episode. Uh, we transfer to you. The link lasts for seven days. Remember, I've got no control over that. Otherwise, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT, available to unlock close to 80 bonus episodes. Now, I'm not feeling well. I think on Friday, I was talking on episode 393 that uh, I'd gone into my day suffering from hay fever. It happens once or twice a year, and I'd found some pills from last year. I did note that on the pills, these were over the counter, that it was August 2021 when I had my bad uh, few days of hay fever and those pills had quashed it. These pills didn't really do much, and it's still only late May. Obviously, just, you know, we're coming into June now. This is the uh, last uh, May episode of the year, assuming I don't do any Patreon bonuses before the 31st. He said, being unusually anal, even, you know, by his high anal standards. So I was sneezing a lot. The eyes were a bit sore, although that is, uh, at the moment, that's a regular issue with the hard water Every time I'm in the shower or washing my face, every time with cold water, the eyes are stinging. Uh, It doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to resolve that issue easily. The water tank's playing up. But back to the hay fever. I got home. I was still sneezing. I thought, how long does it take for one of these pills to work? Then I started feeling a sore throat. Now, I know that you can, in some instances, get a sore throat from hay fever. It's not a symptom that I've ever had with my hay fever. And I only started having hay fever from my mid-20s onwards. Never suffered from it before. I think it was around uh, the late 90s it started being a problem for me. And some summers I'm perfectly fine. But the one thing I did note on Friday was, why is my throat sore? So, you know, the back of my mind, I'm starting to think, how can, if this isn't hay fever, what is it? Is it what they sometimes call a summer cold? I can't remember having a summer cold. I can't remember having what feels like a bug hard swallow 18, 29 hours first of the show. But here I am, not uh, not feeling well, and that's been the case this weekend. It's absolutely uh, laid me low this weekend. 
not been feeling well. Champions League uh, weekend ruined. Had planned to go to my friends to watch the match in uh, Morden last night. Was supposed to be staying over with him, family of uh, Liverpool supporters. Had to bin that. I took a COVID test in the morning. Took another one today, and uh, this was the uh, you know the extensive LFTs, the throat and nose swab. Both negative, so that's good. So it looks like I've just uh, just got a bug, but it's left me feeling uh, a bit uh, weak and just uh, frustrated. So I've been indoors, apart from having to venture out yesterday morning to just buy a load of uh, you know medicinal stuff, you know more Nurofen uh, lockets, more halls. Although the halls, I have them, you know, every day. That's just an addiction. The sugar-free halls. Bought some ginger for the first time ever, and it does certainly add a little kick to the honey and lemon that I've been having. I don't really like ginger. One of the reasons I don't like ginger, it goes back to the late nineties when I started having things like Indian takeaways and Chinese takeaways for the first time. I was very late. It's not to say that I was a uh, Hard Swallow, 1831, second Hard Swallow of the show. What's the personal best for Hard Swallows in this show? I'm thinking it might be seven or eight. Am I on to beat that today? The World Foods, I won't say I was a Philistine with World Foods because obviously I grew up in a Spanish house. I was having Spanish food and English food. The English food was mainly junk food. My mum took a while to get to grips with making a good roast dinner on a Sunday but once she got to grips with that in the 90s they were glorious but it was a lot of Spanish food it was a mixture so I was having world food to an extent but I was never having the you know the takeaways that uh, British people were uh, obsessed with and obviously I became obsessed with them once I started having them and that was around 98 onwards when I started dating this girl from Kent and once we split up, and this is after I lost my mum and I was living in West Norwood and Lopez would stay over, we, we'd, um, there was a, an Indian takeaway downstairs, which was the worst thing that could happen because, uh, you know, we would just both eat everything and just pile on the weight. And we almost got a chef in trouble once because we kept complaining about these bits that we were finding in our... I think in my case, it was a gel phrase. I can't remember what uh, Lopez was having. It might have been the tikka masala. They turned out to be bits of ginger, but they were, you know, hugely cut. They were chunks of ginger. So I've never liked ginger. It stems from that. This is the first time I've actually bought ginger. And uh, I peeled it, cut some chunks, made sure I didn't swallow any bits. But I could feel, because normally I have the hot honey and lemon drink. And it's not really doing much. I'm going through the motions. But this time I could feel there was certainly a kick to it with the uh, the bits of uh, ginger. So from that point of view, it was worth getting out to, to, to the shops to buy all this stuff, particularly the ginger. I've only had two of those today. I can't say that I'm feeling better for it. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think I'm just going through the motions with this stuff. I think I'm just going to have to ride it out. I do hope I'm better by tomorrow evening because I do have a, a gig in East London, more of which uh, later. Uh, so the Champions League final, uh, I've got no... Well, I do have a problem with Liverpool losing, obviously. You're always going to have a problem when your team goes up. By the way, if you're a Forest fan, congratulations, you've just gone up. I had the game on in the background. I mean, this is, uh, you know, my parents were still knocking around even when Forest uh, were last in the old, uh, well, not the old Premier League, uh, the, the Premier League in uh, 99. But there is a whole generation of Forest fans who will have grown up without knowing their team in the top flight. And for my generation, Forest were a huge club. They were, you know, the 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 only real rivals to Liverpool in the late seventies, early eighties. So it's uh, 
it's a massive thing, I think, for my generation, even if you don't support Forrest, to, to see them go up. I mean, every year I'd always have uh, my favourite teams in uh, the lower leagues that uh, I'd had a soft spot for in my childhood. And every time uh, the championship uh, season, which is just far too long, ridiculously long, 46 games a season and the playoffs as well. And it's the end of May and the team going um, winning the playoffs is playing two days before June. And then they've got to start playing the Premier League in uh, early August. Forest and Ipswich were always my favourites in the championship, the old second division that I wanted to see go up. You know, Ipswich have had their time in the sun uh, more recently than Forest. Uh, but uh, yeah, good to see uh, Forest going up. You know, Huddersfield, famous old club in English football. You know, they've had their time in the sun. Hopefully Forest can come up and, uh, you know, kick on rather than be one of those uh, yo-yo teams. In terms of Liverpool's defeat, I've got no real problems when... Clearly, Madrid deserved to win. Thibaut Courtois, I never really rated him at Chelsea. I have to say, I don't think he showed his Atletico Madrid form when he was in Chelsea. I always think a bad sign of a goalkeeper not being in form is when they start to feature a lot in uh, goal of the month compilations and he was putting in quite a few appearances during his uh, Chelsea days also for a very tall goalkeeper he was he was beaten far too easily by long shots he wasn't someone who seemed to be very agile I recently I was in the cafe a couple of weeks ago and I was watching um, some Portuguese uh, news show and they were doing a, a report on Thibaut Courtois' goalkeeper training sessions I've never seen anything like it I'd have to try and find it on YouTube to break it down for you but there was a particular drill he was doing and I think it involves he's wearing weights as well and he's having to run behind this very small goal and he's he's wearing these weights or carrying these weights and then the idea is he's got to try and save the shot that comes in and it's a smaller goal for this drill. He's got to save the shot with just his feet and he's always doing it and he made that exact save last night. I can't remember from who. Was it from Salah? I, I can't remember. But... Uh, Madrid clearly deserved it. Liverpool, the better team for the first 40 minutes. What am I doing? This is not a football show. Why don't you do a football show, Dave? I might. I might. Surely it can't fail. I've got no problem when the other team was better and won, but it's still that childhood thing, or childish thing, really, where I've not really, I think that was about two hard swallows, 1836 hours, where I've just not been able to uh, read the match reports extensively. And yeah, they can say, well, it's still been a good season. Won a couple of cups, won a couple of cups on penalties again, which Liverpool seems to be a thing with Liverpool. I hate winning competitions on penalties. I also don't think penalties are that dramatic, as dramatic as people make out, because for the last 30, 34 years now, going back to Mexico 86 and the European Cup final that year, between Barcelona and uh, Stau Bucharest in Seville. Amazing detail. Seriously, why don't you do a football show, Dave? It, it can't, it, it just cannot fail. Penalties. Uh, for the last 36 years, they've lost their drama as far as I'm concerned. There's always going to be the full guy. There's always going to be the hero. It's just the same script again and again and again. Give me a replay any day. I know that you can't fit it in now because of the busy calendars, but I'm just saying I, I don't buy into that whole penalty drama. I think too many big games are decided in such a way. Mind you, that alternative from the mid-90s to a chunk of the noughties, the golden goal, that was even worse. I suppose. Last night, uh, towards the end of the game, I was hearing this song because, you know, I'm near a park. There's been a festival this week, uh, this weekend. In fact, there's a festival for the next couple of weeks, which uh, is really annoying because 
you know, obviously I'm not tribal and, uh, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm never going to go to a music festival, as I said on uh, episode 393. My concern always when I was getting into relationships, uh, you know, I would have a few points to cross off first. And if uh, I was hooking up with someone who liked to go to festivals, that was enough for me not to get involved with them because I didn't want that pressure to go to those things. I couldn't think of anything worse. I've never changed my mind on that 20, 25 years on. It's a public space, this park. It's where I run. The the wall's gone up. And, uh, you know, a couple of things. Well, Friday evening, I did a 10K Fairly comfortable, as I was saying on episode 393, I think it just reminded me that it's almost easier to break through the wall rather than going through the routine of, uh, you know, 6K, 7K that I've been doing because I've been really lazy. And also because I've just not had the time because it's been a really busy year with the gigs. And to break through and do my first 10K in months, but one on one of the warmest evenings of the year, but that was fine because I was in shorts and just a, you know, single T-shirt, so I wasn't uh, overheating had uh, my back to uh, front baseball cap on for chunks of the route like it was still 1985 white man in back to front baseball cap but the middle of the park was sealed off with this huge dark green wall which happens every summer and it becomes really oppressive it feels really uh, oppressive not affecting my route as such but it's nice to run around a park rather than run around a wall visually it makes it a bit more difficult also you know it's a public space so i don't mind people having festivals but this is a public space which locals i'm, I'm sure you know we're, we're, we're paying to have access to that park and for significant chunks of the year we don't have it and then at christmas for about six weeks a smaller chunk of the park gets closed off to sell Christmas trees. Yeah, you know, twice or three times a year around the bank holiday season, the fairground arrives. It's not a big enough park to justify these closures. It's not like Clapham Common. But also, again, you know, festivals, people dancing, people, I don't know, sitting down, having picnics, just, just in a park full of dog muck. And it, it by no means, it's by no means as bad as Clapham Common. But yeah, just none of that really works for me. But... The reason I reference the, um, and obviously, you know, t- typical uh, typical of my luck, see if I can unmangle my words, typical of my luck, the way things work for me, I have a good run on, on a day that I'm falling ill. So I may not be able to follow that up for a few days, but I'm going to try and do at least one 10k Uh, a week it is much harder because of the gigs but I don't think I'm gigging on Friday so I think that's going to be the day when I do the longer run but it's just not realistic on the Mondays and Wednesdays uh, particularly again this week because I've got gigs on those days so towards the end of the game though I started hearing this song and I thought I know that song I know that song and then I started thinking is that uh, is that Primal Scream is that the Primal Scream song that I really liked uh, moving on up, early 92. It sounds like it. It sounds like a version of it. You know that a live version of a song that you like never really sounds like the studio version. And it was going on for ages, and it just had the same old refrain, you know, the chorus. They just seemed to be singing the chorus. And I thought, I think that's Primal Scream. Grab the phone, which I'm trying to spend less time on, given the eyesight issues. The eyes, Dave. And sure enough, Primal Scream were playing there. And it's only recently, the song is now 30 years old, moving on up. 
And for years, I thought the chorus was, and, you know, hand on my heart here, there is no reason for me to lie. But for 30 years, I was convinced the chorus was, I'm a different kind of sausage. My light shines on. Uh, my light shines on. I'm a different kind of sausage. My light shines on. I don't know where I got that. Maybe it was the diction of the female singer who I think might have passed away now. That was her name, Denise. Really distinctive backing singer, very famous around that Manchester era. And it was only I think earlier this year, we're out of curiosity because I heard the song again. I thought I've got to check what that lyric was because every time I had this debate with someone who remembered the song, they would look at me. When I claim that the lyric was, I'm a different kind of sausage, my light shines on. And I eventually, it would have been so easy to have done this at any point in the last 20 years, given you can find anything online. I checked the lyrics and it's, I'm getting out of darkness, my light shines on. I'm getting out of darkness, my light shines on. And for 30 years, I thought it was, I'm a different kind of sausage, my light shines on. And I don't know. What that says about me, I'll swallow 1843. What does that say about me? Why didn't I check this sooner? Because I was always curious about it, because I must have known from the reaction of other people that it couldn't have been I'm a different kind of sausage. But it always takes me back to early 92, January 92, and a particularly tough time at 48 May, uh, Mayflower. Can't speak today. Uh, lock and load, no editing, just record get the show out and try and enjoy myself a bit more with this show. Try and maybe learn how to string an anecdote together, how to complete it, move on, have fun with the show rather than uh, prep everything. And it reminds me, as I was saying, hopefully this time with better articulation of 1992, January 92, a difficult time at 48 Mayflower. My dad had made his curious move downstairs. We'd had the uh, 18 months or so where my parents had divorced, but my dad remained living with us, which I found really strange. And I pointed out to him, I remember at one point that uh, Bobby and Pam had, um, I think Bobby had stayed in South Fork. This is the Ewins, Bobby Ewan and Victoria, not Victoria, obviously, I know her from my kid cop days, Victoria Principal. Uh, Pam Ewan, or Pamela Barnes, as she then again became, she uh, moved out. So that, that, you know, that was in Dallas, obviously, but Dallas was supposed to be a reflection of real life. I pointed that out to my dad. He pointed out that uh, Mayflower was not South Fork and he had limited options. And then he eventually, in December 91, moved downstairs. It was a protracted move. And his reasoning for that was because there were 13 people sharing one loo that if he were to move out of the building altogether, the the two uh, not the, the the two unconnected rooms downstairs on the first floor, which were part of the same bedsit but not connected, would be taken up by two or three people, as had been the case historically since we'd moved in in the mid seventies, and would increase the number of people using the loo to thirteen or fourteen by him staying he would bring it down to 11 or 12. So he was uh, decreasing the risk of bathroom-related infections. That was his reasoning. Very, very unusual. And of course, and I've told this story before, I do remember him also trying to sell this to me by saying, look, if you want to bring a girl home and I'm not there, you can, of course, uh, bring her to one of my rooms. Rooms as if he was Sherlock Holmes and Watson, 
who always referred to their rooms as rooms because that's what they had in those days. I never never really understood that. I thought Holmes would have made enough money from his work and Watson as a doctor to have been able to live without a landlady to maybe own a home. I don't know. Uh, but I remember my dad saying this to me and me thinking, well, how would I explain this if I, you know, if I brought a girl home? What would I have said to her if I was in my dad's bedsit? Yeah, this isn't really our bedsit. Our bedsit's upstairs. This is, you know, these are my dad's rooms. But I remember Primal Scream moving on up. It was January 92. We had a new carpet in the front room. That might have come later because I think my dad did the bedroom first. The, the landlord had given him money to redecorate our bedsit before he moved downstairs. So we couldn't really get rid of him. And, you know, he was someone who, with his decorating, took forever. He had a lot of time on his hands. You know, I think he was in his seventh or eighth year of college, still had a, another 11 years to go, but he had some flexibility with his studies. He was in no rush to go. We were in a rush for him to go because we wanted to get used to our new situation. You know, my sibling had gone to Cardiff University and, you know, my mum and I, we were just trying to get used to being just the two of us, trying to see how we managed and, and that's how we would manage for, for the final eight years of our time there. My dad just wouldn't go. I remember doing the bedroom, redecorating it, wallpapering it, and obviously I'd be dragged into the DIY stuff. And, you know, I'm not a DIY guy and all my clumsiness would come through and my dad would have a go and it became very fractious. And also I remember once the bedroom was done, because the front room was still being decorated, we were holed up in the bedroom mainly and in the evenings and it was, there was no heating in there. It was so cold. We'd be wrapped in big clothes. I'd have my fold-up bed in there and my mum would be on a single bed and suddenly there was a bit more room in that room. There were no longer three people in there. I'd moved to the front room on my fold-up bed in the summer of 89, but I was back in that uh, bedroom now while my dad was uh, taking his time to decorate the front room. And my mum and I would be playing Ludo. And, you know, I was obsessed with being yellows. And uh, if I think about it now, which I am because I'm telling you about it now, it feels like I'm there. It's more than vivid. I feel like I'm still there. It's amazing how a 30-year-old memory can still feel not like yesterday, but like now. I can picture it clearly. I can remember how I was sitting, where I was sitting. You know, I was on my fold-up bed. My mum was on a single bed. And the board, I think, would be balanced on the end of her bed. And the games were very competitive because I'm very competitive when it comes to games. You know, that's, you know, that's what I like about Star Wars football, even though that, you know, I'm a solo player in that. I do like having a, a table, a league table, the stats, form, player ratings. I like all that. So we would keep uh, scores for our Ludo games. And yeah, it was... I can remember it. I can remember it clearly. It is like I am there now. And it's one of those memories, I suppose, that I'll never forget. Not necessarily because it was a special memory, but it's just vivid because it was a time of uh, real change and trying to adjust to having uh, my dad as our new neighbour. So, uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, so I think I've covered the illness. A couple of uh, negative COVID tests. I've just spent much of the day reading napping, uh, finishing off uh, one of the two books I was telling you about in episode 393. I'm finishing off The Deception of Harriet Fleet. And now I've got to check. I've forgotten the author's name. I'll have to... Uh, right. Let me just check. It's an enjoyable book. It's, you know, not a... It, it's a page turner. It's not a great book. Right. The Deception of Harriet 
fleet. My sister got me this. Uh, I think it was for my birthday. Right. Who is the author? I'm really bad with names. Helen Scarlett. So The Deception of Harriet Fleet. Uh, details of the book on episode 393. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I think I'm going to finish it tonight. So I've just been reading a lot today, trying to, you know, rest the eyes a bit. Also, my cousin's birthday, older cousin's birthday, either today or tomorrow, which is confusing. And the history of that, as you may know, my aunt and uncle have never been sure when their elder son's birthday is, which really sums them up because, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, You know, at the very least, you should know, you know, you should know the date of birth of your child. Certainly your first one. It's a big deal. It's been really confusing the last sort of 20, 30 years. When I was a kid, my cousin would celebrate. This is my older cousin, the the Liverpool fan. He would celebrate his birthday. It was the 30th of May. His birthday uh, in 79, I think, fell on the day of the Forest European Cup win. And the following day, sorry, the following year when they retained it against Hamburg, it was, uh, I think, Forest beat Hamburg on the 29th of May, 1980. I might be wrong on that. I'm not going to check it. You can check it if you want. And the 29th of May is when he then started celebrating it as an adult. And he's told me, though, in the last year that he's now gone back to celebrating it on the 30th. The reason he started celebrating it on the 29th of May, apparently, is that at some point, and by then he was an adult, might have uh, just got married for the first time. My aunt, apparently, my uncle had found some bracelet. Or whatever the tag they give you in the hospital when you have a kid, uh, you know they stick on uh, stick on a baby, and it was the 29th of May, which you know would lead you to believe, if if my aunt's story can be verified, that that is when my cousin was born, the 29th of May. How they didn't know this information, or didn't have this information to have for 25 years, I really don't know. So my aunt called me today to see how I was feeling. Call got disconnected as usual. Uh, never her fault. Never a problem with her phone. Always a problem at my end. We eventually completed the call. She told me today that she'd called my cousin to wish him a happy birthday. And I said, well, I haven't because he told me he now celebrates it on the 30th again. She said, does he? I said, well, that's what he told me. I said, so I'm not contacting him today. I'll happy birthday him tomorrow. It's confusing, but it sums up my aunt and uncle. I mean, seriously, how can you not know when your child was born. And, you know, I hope it's not for a long time, but the day they're no longer here, my aunt and uncle, their epitaph should be they did not know when their first child was born. It is an absolute disgrace. I remember that my cousin's birthday in 79, it fell on the day of Forest's first European Cup win. I'd got home, I, I was able to watch until the end of the first half. And it was the first game of football, perhaps the only game of football. Well, now, nah, I mean, there's been a few since then, but certainly the most famous game of football where the last kick, or in this instance, the last header of the game of the first half was a goal. And that was it. The referee then blows for half time. I'd never seen that before. And, uh, you know, Forrest beat Malmo in a, what was a terrible final 1-0, but two lovely uh, kits there, the sky blue of Malmo and the all red of Forest. I always like those teams who are also known for a, a change of shorts without completely changing their home kit to an away strip. But what I remember about my cousin's birthday that day, we'd been in Angel Town 
for his birthday and he had a cake and the cake had a small European cup on it or it was a trophy but it looked like the European cup and I took a real fancy to that cup and I just badgered my cousin if I could have that cup and he eventually gave it to me for my uh, Sabutio uh, collection and I'll swallow, 1853. I wish I had that trophy now because I have to tell you, the trophies for Star Wars football, I've lost all my Sabucho cups. They may have just gone, I think, when my dad gave away all my Sabucho stuff in late 88. I don't think they did. I think I hung on to them for a while because they were always on a mantelpiece. So I don't think they went when my dad got rid of all my Sabucho stuff. But they've certainly gone now, which uh, is a shame, especially at the League Cup, because that's worth a small fortune. So for the Star Wars football trophies, given it's such a big league now and it's as glossy as the Premier League, it's shocking that I have no trophies. So teams will win things like uh, a screw for the the, uh, picture, trophy winning picture. I'll have the captain lifting up a screw or a small light bulb or a foil for the charity shield. The trophies are really poor quality, something I need to address at some point. Episode 394, Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available, facebook.com forward slash at DRT comedy for the uh, comedy page, danielruiztyson.com for all my work. And there is, of course, the Patreon page that keeps this show alive, rather the 17 supporters that I've accumulated in uh, a couple of hundred episodes. There you go. What a high hit rate. They're the guys keeping this show alive they're the guys that need to be uh, thanked patreon.com forward slash drt available appreciate those of you who do support the podcast and of course you can also support the work via the paypal link at danielruistyson.com there's the coffee.com link as well but uh, that's not very favorable when uh, uh, i get my cut of that donation you might be wasting your money uh, with that links on my website as always, uh, gigs last week uh, covered really in episode 393, uh, uplifted really by the Pimlico gig on Tuesday. I needed that because Tuesdays are very difficult for me. So that gig went really well, um, you know, covered extensively on uh, bonus episode 393. So I won't go into that uh, again here this week's uh, gigs. Tomorrow night, assuming I'm well enough, I'm in East London. I'm doing a a spot at Double Bubble Comedy. Doors open 7pm, start 7.30pm. That's at the Victoria in Dalston, 415 Queensbridge Road E8. Uh, Links to that on my uh, social media. If I have time, I'll stick them up on the website, but uh, you're likely to have uh, more luck uh, finding them on social media. Not that you're going to come, but I'll just uh, go down the self-important route of uh, making out that I'm uh, putting these uh, all this gig info for uh, fans uh, to turn up. That's just a five-minute spot, but longer spots uh, this week. I'm in New Cross on Wednesday night at the Sam Rhodes Comedy Explosion. I have no idea of the venue, though. I still don't have that information. I'm waiting for that, so I'll stick that out on uh, social media when I have it and uh oh well, that's it i'm doing a really uh a local gig which uh I'm, I'm pleased about on that's in camberwell on thursday let me see if i can find that for you yeah this thursday 2nd of june 
8 to 10 p.m. I'm at the Grove House Tavern in Camberwell, SC5, live, laugh, love. That's a 10-minute spot, and that's looking like a fairly strong build. There's a guy on there that I've only gigged with once, Ahmed Ibrahim, but he really impressed me when I gigged with him at a whole lot of comedy about two months ago over two months ago in Surbiton. Uh, he really did impress me, and I've just not seen him since. I'm looking forward to catching his set again. So those are my spots this week, and uh, my mic came and my microphone stand still unopened. I'll unpack them tomorrow and you know get working on the stagecraft, try and get comfortable with the uh, uh, microphone. Uh, I've already started getting booked for my first pro gigs, not until later in the year, but paid gigs starting to come through. Picked up another one for late November uh, in Wimbledon, SW19. And that's a 15-minute spot. So, you know, six months to prep for that. I'm, I'm close to having 15 minutes. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of pleased. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how I've made this work. Maybe just because of where I am in my life. You know, that the unhappiness is kind of paying off. It's like there's not many more avenues open to me and it's a case of just not caring anymore. You know, not fearing dying on stage. It is going to be hard to make this all work financially. I think not driving is a, a big problem. There was a gig the other day in South End that I, I, I fancied and I just looked at how I would get there. Bus was obviously not realistic, although you could bus it there. Uh, coaches. Uh, there wasn't a coach station as far as I could work out. There were train stations and I checked the train prices. It would have cost me £22 to get there. So it's going to be very difficult for me to to make this work because obviously I can't just stick to doing gigs in London. So I don't know how that's going to work. And one of the things that always used to put me off, because I don't like being in a bubble. You know, I don't like really hanging around with writers. I don't like hanging around with other comedians. I, I think when you're a writer, you should be around real people, hearing real voices, real stories. I don't like that whole cliquey thing. And it is, you know, I'm seeing that. I'm not. I'm still not getting onto some bills that I should be on, and I'm seeing what I regard as inferior, uh, inferior acts even, who I've gigged with quite a few times and, you know, nice people, but I'm looking at them and, I'm thinking, I'm, you know, how are you on these nights and I can't get on these nights? The reason you're on those nights in many cases is because your pals, I've seen you, your pals, and it's the same three or four comics appearing on the same nights. And it's like anything, you know, TV's like that, radio's like that. So that's a bit of a challenge. But I was talking about that to the guy I told you about on episode 393, the the awkward guy who... Uh, who's got a Nokia phone, I think, from circa 2002 and doesn't use the internet. So I'm sending him, uh, you know, some info on what gigs might be worth doing as and when I get them. You know, I I'm not someone that holds on to information. I always think if the information I have, the information that I glean of what gigs are worth doing, what nights people should steer clear of, I do share that because, you know, I don't want people wasting their time as I have in some instances. And if I've done a good night, if I've run into a good promoter, I want to share that with people as well. I don't hold on to the positive or the negative information. I, I, I share it and, uh, you know, people sometimes give me information back and I make a decision on whether I'm doing a night on that uh, on that basis. And the guy I was walking back to Pimlico Station with last week, again, covered, on, uh, covered even on episode 393, slow down. Slow down, David. He said to me, it's better to know 10 good promoters than 50. 
And that's good advice. I'd say maybe I know three good promoters at the minute. Just need another seven. On the rodent front, I don't really want to tempt fate. It's better than last week. That's not to say I'm out of the woods yet. The pest control guy, he did say that he does a top floor on the shard. And the top floor of the shard actually has a rodent problem. Think about that the next time you take a picture of the shard. How rodents have managed to get into the top floor there. In terms of anxieties, I think I've got new neighbours moving in below me in a couple of days. So, you know, you don't want any uh, asses moving in. And also there's that concern that it might be a big step for them. It might be the first flat they've bought together. Apparently it's a couple and, you know, they're going to celebrate it by, you know, shagging really hard just below me just to uh, reinforce just how alone I am these days. I don't want to be hearing that. You know, the last guy that was here for less than two years, once his girlfriend moved in, he was very heavy footed. I have to say, I always knew when she was in. And the pair of them must have grown up in a house because they were always slamming doors and cupboards. But, you know, in terms of the lovemaking, they were very quiet. But, you know, that's that's a, a bit of a test. In that respect, I'm glad that I'm alone because, you know, if they are loud in the bedroom, then it's just me that I've got to deal with. I've, I've got to deal with that, find a way to deal with that. But if I was in a relationship and maybe the relationship wasn't going well, if you're hearing, you know, lovemaking coming from one of the neighbor's flats, that's just going to put more pressure on you. So... We'll see. We'll see. As long as they're not asses, uh, you know, that's all you It's important to have good neighbours and it's important to be a good neighbour. And I think people are very lucky to have me as a neighbour. And, uh, you know, for a few years here, I had the worst neighbour I've ever had. And it's just still a regret that it would, it would have just been easier to fight the guy. Really, it would have resolved a lot of stress just to just to go down that route and be an absolute ass about it. But uh, being a nice guy, I didn't. And I kind of regret that now, I have to say. Strange dreams, uh, frequent, I suppose, because the last couple of days I've been having a few catnaps because I've not been well this weekend. Uh, you know, Mayflower, the leaking roof. Again, it just feels like I was there, just like the Ludo games. It's, you know, it's, that's a recurring dream and a recurring theme in my life because I've had the same problem in this flat and still have it. Scaffolding's been up again for four or five weeks, still no sign of roofers. Homes should be warm and dry, and it's incredible that this has been a motif in my uh, life, you know, the leaking roof. Because I've always, you know, more often than not lived on top floors. But the Mayflower roof just really, really scarred me. And in this dream, I'd gone to one Mayflower road where our landlord lived. The landlord wasn't there, but his son was, who was a bit of a, a, a druggie. And uh, his name was Dennis. Uh, I won't give you his surname. His name was Dennis. Good looking guy, but a big druggie. Would spend any rent money you gave him. And uh, until the landlord, uh, you know, said to my mum, you know, don't give him the rent money because he just spends it on drugs and... You know, I was on my way again to number one Mayflower Road. The landlord lived at the top of the road to try and find out when the roof was going to be fixed. It just wasn't getting fixed. This is it. You know, 22 years on from leaving that home and it still haunts my dreams. And there was a cameo within that dream from not Mick Fleetwood of the cafe. He was in that dream. I can't remember what he was doing, but uh, yeah, he, he, he kind of made a cameo in that dream cameo appearance. But those dreams always feel so real to me. It's like, why can't you leave this behind? And I'm sure it's the same for you, that there are things from your childhood that uh, resurface in your dreams that you can't leave behind or don't let you move on. It's a strange one, that, isn't it? And and today, you know, napping as I was, I think I had a dream, or it might have been overnight, 
I dreamt of uh, the X, and I I can't remember where I was. It was somewhere in South London, and I just saw her, saw her wandering around, and she was smoking. So I thought, okay, that's one of the things she's done since. Uh, well, she was doing it, be you know, when she wasn't with me, because you know, I could always smell it on her. She was free to do what she wanted. I think that was you know part of the problem really there was a, a lack of discipline uh, there and you know she was just a real party animal it was like dating the space daddy you know but at the same time she had plenty of good qualities but you know i'm just uh foreshadowing the dream there so she in this dream she had a cigarette and she didn't attempt to hide it and when i tried to speak to her she had a couple of heavies that she put on me so i couldn't really get to speak to her and then it was weird i ended up in some uh I think it was a recruitment agency. That might be because I've got something linked to the man on Wednesday, which I haven't even prepared for. But yeah, those dreams, they don't they do not do me any favours. I know that. They just leave me feeling a bit bereft. And uh, again, it's just why I have to get out of this place. I need a fresh start. I need to be somewhere different physically. Just get my head out of this place and leave this area behind. I don't I don't know about you, maybe you like living where you live or you don't like living where you live. I don't like living where I live. I really don't, which is why I don't do anything around here other than run. It's only when I really get through to uh, walk to Brixton that I start to feel a bit more comfortable with uh, my surroundings. But these dreams, yeah, they didn't really do me any favours. Let's uh, move on to something a bit more upbeat, like my nectar points, and they certainly are upbeat this week. There's been uh, quite a few... I uh, forgot to give you them on episode 393. Oh, I've got all my May receipts here. There's a 25th of April. There's a couple more over here. It's been a really busy week. 23rd of May. I've just been accruing the points. 27th of May. Okay, so I was in there on the 23rd, the 27th. 25th. That's... All right, that's all a bit disordered. And the 28th, so on the 28th, anyway, that was yesterday morning, uh, Saturday morning when I had to go and buy all this medicine. I bought some tissues. Skimmed milk has actually gone up to 99p. Can you believe that? Two pints of semi-skimmed. That's just ridiculous. Is it two pints? Yeah, two pints of semi-skimmed. I normally buy Long Life, but uh, they didn't have Long Life. Bought the loose bit of ginger, 34p. Tissues, 90p. They've gone up 10p. Uh, Lockets, honey and lemon, 60p. Hall, sugar-free, 60p. I bought two of those, actually. Uh, two single oranges, very small. Uh, single lemon, I'll need to buy another lemon tomorrow. Uh, Nurofen tablets, 16 of them, £2.20, which is a bit more expensive than Lidl, but I wasn't going to walk to uh, the, the you know uh, Brixton Lidl's. Didn't want to see the Pistons for a start. Uh, imperfectly grapes up from £1.4 to £1.26. I think that's in Tesco, or that might be Sainsbury's as well. I can't remember. But everything's going up. It's just uh, shocking. You know what? I've changed my left sock twice today for some reason. I can't find matching socks for indoors. I've bleached so many socks unintentionally the last uh, few weeks because I've been bleaching the floors in light of the rodent activity. And obviously it's destroyed my socks quality socks as well not just indoor only socks so i've got odd socks on and for the second time the left sock is slipping the the elastic is weak i think that when i'm in the afterlife assuming that maybe i do get into the afterlife for the purpose of this anecdote 
I may find myself up there considering how life maybe could have been made easier had I spent certain days when I was meant to be relaxing, such as today when I'm ill, with properly fitting socks. So I've got the cold. I'm not feeling well. I'm bunged up. Trying to record this show to give myself some time tomorrow to to rest and prep for the gig and go for coffee. And, uh, you know, I've got this sock slipping all day. And it might be that in the afterlife, I reflect that I could have just made life a whole lot easier and uh, bought some new socks. And I haven't yet. So anyway, uh, where are we? I went into. Oh, so I'd smashed the 500 barrier. Let me see when I did that. I missed that moment. These are the moments in life that you need to celebrate. It wasn't the 25th. I had 491 points, got four. So that was 495. When did I have 495? Oh, I can't find that. No. All right. I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. So yesterday, though, I went in there with 517 nectar points. Uh, I spent £7.13 and seven points. New points balance of 524 uh, points are worth points are worth two pounds sixty two. So let's see what I'm going to spend my two pound fifty on. How about that? I think is that the second time I've broken through the barrier this year. Moving on to uh, Star Wars football. Loads of games this weekend. Feeling that uh, feeling it on my back. So League Cup. Okay. Yes, quite a few games, actually. What game did I play? Okay, yeah, I brought you uh, the news that Alderaan's 3-0 defeat of Death Star gave you that news in episode 393. Uh, Death Star manager Captain Spiders has left the club, the goalkeeping legend. He's left the club now. Tatooine coach Naranjito, assistant there by coach, I mean assistant manager. He's moved and taken over at Death Star. Uh, Friday night uh, League Cup quarterfinal first leg Tatooine the holders. Actually I've started, I think I'm going to start saying Tatooine again now because I I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi the first two episodes and Tatooine was mentioned as Tatooine there I think and for some reason I've been going with Tatooine for the last few months because I heard some reviewer come up with that and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I think I'm going to try and go back to Tatooine. I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi. The trailer was very impressive, but I I found the two episodes disappointing, and that's kind of why I don't really watch sci-fi. But uh, I thought the end of episode two, not not giving away any spoilers here, I won't give it away, but that was a bit more promising. But they've got rid of what I thought was uh, one of their best characters early on. And yeah, I I don't know if I'm going to watch the rest of it. It's just, uh, I don't know. Nowhere near as good as the uh, trailers. So Tatooine nil, Empire nil. So that's all to play for. And then in the other big clash yesterday morning, Bespin nil, X-Wing nil. Trying to see. Oh, man of the match, Han Solo. He's had a tough time since uh, returning to X-Wing. But there he was, man of the match, picking up his form now. And uh, League Week 8 kicked off uh, last night. Hoth, the league leaders, uh, held one all at home by new boys Concord Dawn. That was a really good uh, game. Pruneface equalising spectacularly uh, just less than three minutes after Hoss had given Concord Dawn the lead. Hoss's uh, third goal since making his debut. Three goals in two games. Uh, this morning, uh, Rebels won. Death Star won. Death Star got an early goal. 
uh, an own goal by Royley on five minutes. Uh, Death Star were leading at the break and uh, just trying to see... That was it. Luke Besbin uh, equalised against his old club. Uh, controversial goal. VAR decided it was a goal. One all. Rebels will be disappointed to drop points. But uh, you can hear the wheezing, can't you? I can hear it. I can hear it on the headphones. Uh, this afternoon, Empire nil. Apex Overlook one. Apex Overlook now in the European places. They move up to fifth. Their fourth win in a row. They haven't conceded a league goal in four games. They're chipping away slowly at their goal difference. Empire, a good performance from them. They've been informed. They played a strong side, but an early goal from Raya. Uh, I've got two raised. They are different action figures, but uh, to mark them, um, to separate them in my own mind, I've called the Apex Overlook one who arrived a couple of weeks ago, Raya. She scored her third goal in three league games, and these guys, they know how to hold on to uh, a lead. Tonight, it's the X-Wing Alderaan derby. That's shortly after the release of this episode. So I'll have a league table for you uh, by episode 395. Uh, tomorrow morning's plans release this for regular listeners. Then I'm going to head to the cafe. Got a couple of uh, books to post sold on eBay. That's how I'm just uh, just about uh, managing to, to pay for my coffees. Uh, hopefully try and do a bit of writing hopefully try and feel a bit happier hopefully feeling uh, okay to do tomorrow night's uh, gig in Dalston and hopefully this show may give you a decent start to the day hearing someone else moan you might think hey you know what at least I'm not this guy at least I've got a bit more than this guy or you may have even less in which case uh, I extend to you my sympathies now it's time for you to get those shoulders back Shall I say that again? Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. 